Hello, welcome to Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And uh, today we're going to talk about Young Justice Season 2. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about superhero shit. We don't yeah. talk about games anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, like, next week's going to be uh, <laughs> Suicide Squad. And the next week is going to be a movie about video games, which I guess I That's guess close. That one's, like, barely related to video games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so on this podcast, we talk about games. But we also like to dip our toes into, like, all the cool nerd shit. And one of the cool nerd shit things that I have, have always... Uh, pitched for the podcast is that we do a big watch of Young Justice and we finally got around to it. Last time, no, not last time, the time before last time, we did a season one, a Young Justice season one review, that was actually, and now we are talking about season two. That oh, was wait, actually was two times before last time because it was, we did Inside and Black Widow. Um, Holy between. shit. Yeah, and then there was the off week, so we're yeah, six, wow. so. So, you know, a month later, we're on Young Justice. Yeah, a month later, we're following up. Yeah, so Young Justice Season 2, subtitled Young Justice Invasion, um, takes place five years after the original season of Young Justice, where Robin has matured into Nightwing. The sort of mechanics of the team have been ironed out. It's it's less fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants and a much more sort of efficient strike force of the Justice League, um, who are working diligently to combat the forces of the light under uncover a conspiracy regarding aliens and maybe that's all i can say without like being spoilers but so yeah that's where that's where young justice season two comes in yeah okay we, we should put a spoiler warning early um want to give our, our our pre-spoiler impressions it's your baby buddy you you go I, first i love this i i do think it is tough to say whether or not season one or season two is better, but I like season two quite a lot. Um, either way, I think both seasons are, are good. They both have the same sort of problems that we kind of talked about last time in the sense that it kind of ends with a whimper more than it ends on a bang. It, it's not like the kind of, um, you know, like explosive, dramatic ending, just kind of a lot of things sort of happen really quickly or whatever but i just think that like the tension and the drama from episode to episode it was like it was riveting at the time it was mind-blowingly riveting at the time right um and it still works to like to this day um and i just like i marvel at this i marvel at this show every time uh every time i watch it just because like it is so complex. There's just, like, so much happening. Um, but, I don't know. It's it's good. It's just good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I will agree that it's enjoyable. Um, I'm not as, as, as hot on it as you are. Um, I think it's got some different problems the last time. I do think it solved some of the problems. Like, they've excised 90% of the teen bullshit, which uh, I think is, is good. Um, and I think, like... Uh, the previous season. So, so for since those of you don't don't have insight into this, as I watch, he's a kind of like stream of conscious to Buddy in a in a private chat that we have. Um, and, the, and the clue for Buddy is when I when I when I'm in trance is when I stop doing that because I'm like taken in by the plot instead of like noticing weird things. Um, and so I think like the previous season, it gets it, it it kind of gets better towards the end. I think I would agree with the ends with the whimper thing. Um, and I think it's got a couple of major missteps at the end, uh, but we'll talk about that at the... Uh, oh, I'm very interested in that. Okay. In, in the other yeah, side see, of the, the thing that I think is interesting 
is I think I also agree that it gets better towards the end just because like a lot of stuff gets set up and then starts to sort of like pay off like dominoes, right? Like it's just mm-hmm. like one by one, bam, 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 right? Um, whereas a lot of the, you know, like the first half of the of the season is sort of like mysterious, but like the beating heart of it for me is Aqualad. And the part that's tough about this is I lived in a world where we were watching it week to week. So you can, you have, it kind of surprised me, I guess, on the rewatch, because I'm binging it, obviously, how quick you go from Aqualad betrays the team to join his dad because he's furious that the love of his life, too, oh. was killed as a member of the... I'm sorry. Should we put this on the other side of the spoiler warning? Because it sounds like... Oh my god, we're not on the other side of the spoiler warning. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's what we do. Spoilers from this point forward. Okay, now cut that way earlier. Cut uh, that in the beginning. We're live, buddy. We can't... We can't... We can't... <laughs> cut that... Cut that back. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, you haven't you haven't technically spoiled it yet. But yes, we, 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 are, we are on the other side of the spoiler warning at this point, I, I think. Yeah. You know, you, you have okay, thoughts, so yeah. on. I'm sorry, I completely miss you know uh, misspoke about the the spoiler. So yes, so the mystery of what's going on with Aqualad and understanding what's what's happening like with Aqualad and just like the the drama of it was just so juicy. And I can t- in in kind of in the same way that I can kind of tap into those feelings about like the Phantom Menace. Maybe I just like works for me in a world where even I think cognitively the opening is a little slow and convoluted and kind of like hard to parse if that makes sense does that do do you see what i mean yeah so um i was actually spoiled on the aqualad is not actually betraying them oh Um, man that is that is a heartbreaker (laughs) holy shit I don't really know though, because like that seemed obvious to me. Like, so I, I guess for a spoiler territory, the most surprising thing to me to come out of this season was is at the end of the season when um when uh, when Kid Flash dies. I like googled when does he come back because I I was certain that that was going to happen by now, and I assume it will happen in the future in the in like in the fourth because I was the most surprising thing in the world was that he wasn't. So this is my biggest problem with the end of the film or the end of the, not the film the 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 season is that Wally it's Wally right that's it's Wally West yeah his death feels entirely unearned um it feels like it just happens to fulfill the safe partner of the dangerous couple trope ends up dying um type type thing right like that that, like that seemed way to form it didn't it's not really foreshadowed well um and I think this rides in the back on a larger uh, problem with the series because there's there too many characters in season two um, <laughs> Wait till you get to season three, buddy. Really? Yeah, that is, I get that for sure. Um, there are a ton of characters with a ton of things going on. I think a lot of them are pretty one note, right? Like, you know, um, Batgirl, Wonder Girl. There's a ton of kids on the team who don't have complex things going on compared to Impulse, right? Uh, Blue Beetle, yeah. obviously, as sort of these like really headlining characters that have a lot kind of at stake um, and on the table. Superboy, Miss Martian. Um, you know, obviously, uh, like all of the normal kids kind of still have their own, have their own shit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that it is a little bit, it it is a little bit crowded. And it's one of those things where if you just sort of whiff for a second in sort of like understanding what's going on, you will fail to comprehend stuff that is 
like pretty quick to get over right like arsenal joins the team off screen he's a part of the team he joins infinity inc and like you know like and i would say he's a pretty major character in the season but like a lot of this stuff is movement that's happening off off screen yeah and doing off screen stuff right yeah. um yeah so, so which the, is yeah, yeah. casualty i guess yeah no and like there's some like weird choices there like i was certain that the twist on like you know arsenal like goes rogue and like blows something up blows the lexcorp thing up was going to be that the additive was like totally and entirely innocence and this was like a, a three steps ahead move by by luther and it's not so it's like or maybe it's like four steps ahead because he's planning it on making the them look bad anyway but um no it just it's like like it seemed like there was some like weird weird kind of like plot lines here although on on the opposite side and on the plus side of like the tons of characters thing is you know last last time we talked about this i said the the kind of like thing that i that i can see how it engages so many people is like the dc minutiae i think step two of this for this season is um i mean it's literally just static shock but it's like all like every every like kid who like watched static shock like i was like is that fucking static shock right like yep, like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> there's uh, more to it actually because um Kai, who is the Native American that does the thing and grows, is a reference to the Super Friends. Is this Apache Chief? It's like a more politically correct Apache version. Chief, of, yeah. yeah. They they made like a real version of Apache Chief. And I was just like, holy shit. I didn't even get that at first. It took me like maybe two or three episodes to really get it. And I was like, oh my God, the geniuses. You know, yeah, no. like the... And actually, by the way, the uh, and the funny thing is, I caught the other reference to um, the other guy uh, is El Dorado, who is like a, another very like minor, minor, you know, DC lore character. I just like ah, oh, that stuff is the best. <laughs> it's so good. You know, you know the, the the funny thing to me was is that for the longest time, I like had like Blue Beetle and the Tick confused. Um, as like, <laughs> then the only reason I knew that they were any different is because, um, Max Landis has been doing like, you know, like a, a an auditory version of his DC universe on his sure. YouTube channel. Um, and he talks and he has like a, a cool version of Ted Cord and that's what, you know, and I went and looked that up. And so I had context for that, which is, which is cool. Cause like, is Blue Beetle like a particularly popular DC superhero? Um, cause I, I'm not super deep into DC. Which one? Ted Cord you mean? I guess like the only, the okay, only Blue Beetle so, I know anything about is Ted Cord because of the Max Landis thing. Not not Okay, yeah. So so the the history of Blue Beetle is he's sort of one of these like C-list characters. You remember how when I, we originally talked about this, I <clears throat> made reference to there's Alan Scott, right, who is the Green Lantern who carved a Green Lantern out of a a green meteorite to become the Green Lantern. And then there's Hal Jordan who gets the ring and is a space cop, right? And they're kind of two different, it's the Golden Age version and the Silver Age version. Mm -hmm. There's a version of that with Blue Beetle who is referenced in here, right? Um, they talk about Dan... The archaeologist? Yeah, the archaeologist. Mm -hmm. That is the Golden Era Blue, Be Blue Beetle, right? The Silver Age Blue Beetle is Ted Kord, who is just a tech guy, right? Um, he's the inspiration for Night Owl in, in Watchmen. He's basically just a nerd who's very techy and becomes the, the Blue Beetle. The thing that like kind of rises him to the occasion, and he's very low level for most of his run, right? The thing that rises to him to the occasion is, one, the Keith Giffen, uh, JMD Mateus run of Justice League that I mentioned earlier with the punch where Batman punches Guy Gardner in the face. Blue Beetle is in that run. 
Um, and he's best friends with another superhero, another Sela superhero called Booster Gold. And they just have like a great chemistry that's like famous and people like that. That's what people loved about the character. And then in the 2000s, Ted Kord died um, in a, in a mini series that was actually pretty fucking hype, to be honest. It was like, it was a lead up to like one of those big event, you know, comics, like, like soup, like, um, like Civil War like uh secret invasion something like that this one was the lead up to infinite crisis where he was like i think there's a conspiracy going on and he goes to everybody in the dc universe and they all think he's fucking crazy and then he shows up to beat the bad guy and the bad guy just shoots him in the, in the head because he's a he's just a normal he's a normal guy and like the murder of blue beetle was this like huge deal at the time and then what came out of that is jaime reyes which is this blue beetle right with the scarab and the reach on his on his back which was sort of a um it was like a mid-2000s thing the thing that i liked about it was you know it was kind of the first representation for like a latin superhero um most of the t like there's a couple of there's a couple of them sprinkled in there right um even uh, even so much so that people like latch on to characters like bane um one of the interesting things that people that comics people get mad about is that Bane gets whitewashed and everything except for Young Justice because Bane is Latin American in and like is from Santa Prisca um, in the comics and in Young Justice and that's it basically everywhere else he's like Tom Hardy or whatever right um, anyway and so Jaime Reyes you know he has a solo run which was written and I think both written and drawn by um, uh, Keith Giffen and it touched on a lot of this reach stuff if i remember correctly and then he's just kind of popped around i think he was a member of the teen titans for a while that kind of thing right like blue beetle has been um in like the uh, the scarab lore and all this shit he's been around for okay. for a long time so that's sort of the history of blue beetle for you just just so i get it clear the the history of the blue beetle that they kind of like do a two-minute version of in young justice is accurate to the comics like archaeologist finds a beetle that ted cord like hides away because he's afraid of it and then it like so that is that part is accurate i don't think the original scarab was the thing that dan garnett was using okay it, th that might be the case um i read these comics a long time ago it was yeah, like fair. 12 15 years ago so it might just be a detail that i'm not remembering but the big thing was that it was something that everybody thought was related to ted cord and then you find out that it's like alien shit or whatever okay yeah okay that makes sense yep yep um, do you did you enjoy Blue Beetle? Blue Beetle really takes the spotlight in kind of like the back half, right? As it becomes yeah. about sort of the the politics between him, Green Beetle, Black Beetle. They're trying to free Blue and everything like that. How did you feel about all that stuff? Yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was probably one of the better fleshed out storylines, right? Like he he definitely got the attention he needed. Him and um, you said the the other team of kids is like what the Infinity Corp or something like that. Yeah, um, so Infinity Inc. is Infinity. what they're called. Infinity Inc. is the Okay, so there's the the Justice as Teen Titans as to the Justice League is Infinity Inc as to the Justice Society, if that makes sense. Where the Justice Society is Golden Age Heroes, the Justice League is Silver Age Heroes. Um, the Infinity Infinity Inc is just like mostly kids of the uh, of the Justice Society who are like not doing Teen Titans related shit. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I guess. But there's also an arc where. Um, there's also an arc where Lex Luthor buys the copyright to Infinity Inc. and then makes his own super teen version, which I think is kind of what they're pulling a little bit here um, with, like, Lex trying to control Infinity Inc. Um, but it ends up not, you know, really being a thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, I, I, think, the I think the Arsenal storyline was, like, fairly underserved. 
right? Like, other than, I think, the Red Arrow half of it, right? Like, uh, you know, except for the baby thing. Like, the baby, like, the, them carrying the baby into that temple was just, like, a little bit too that much. That is, uh, you know, you're going to, that's comics accurate, my dude. He I, I can criticize the Cheshire comics, too. He has, a, he has a baby named Leon. I mean, carrying into the temple, I guess. Is that, yeah, yeah I, no, I, having I, the baby isn't a problem. Either. And, you know, like, yeah. I think that's a pacing issue in the show. Where it's just sure. like, you know, it's like, hey, here's the Red Arrow again. He's, like, losing his mind trying to find, uh, you know, the you know the original. Um, and they have an intervention for him. And then Cheshire shows up. And, by the way, he also has a kid. And now he's dead. So, like, he's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah the thing about Red Arrow and um, the thing about Red Arrow and Cheshire, that honestly surprised me. I was like, I cannot believe they're going this far. Honestly, it's crazy because, um, so that happens. And then in the co- so in the comics he has this kid and then Leon is his daughter and he has the Leon with Cheshire because there's a while where I'm pretty sure he's working for the League of Assassins alongside Cheshire, um, and it's it's all it's all very complicated or whatever. But they like do get married and they do have a kid, um, and then later on he does legitimately get his arm blown off in like a big, he's part of the Justice League and he gets his arm blown off as part of like a big event or whatever and he just doesn't have his like left arm so it's kind of crazy that they did both versions of red arrow and arsenal which are both comics accurate in their own ways um (laughs) in in the same yeah same show so arsenal is what red arrow called himself arsenal is kind of his nightwing title right he went from speedy to arsenal to red arrow when he joined the justice league and green arrow was like you're not a sidekick anymore you're official right um, so both Arsenal and Red Arrow are like well represented from the comics, though they do not mention that he is a heroin addict, which was a huge part of his character in the comics. I guess it's a kid's show; you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that 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 makes sense to me. That's like, yeah, that, you know, they'll uh, issue that. I actually think that the one of the more interesting storylines in the show is kind of like the dynamic of like the Huntress, Artemis. Uh, Cheshire I think that stuff master. is incredibly good, especially because I like the internal politics of the light a lot. Like one of my favorite details about this season is Sportsmaster is the enforcer of the light, but like he's pissed, you know, about Aquaman murdering Artemis, and um, and then they replace him with Deathstroke, and just like that whole interaction, I thought was really great. And probably my favorite episode is the episode where they have to. Um, or maybe it's a pair of episodes, right? Where it, yeah. So it's kind of a pair of episodes where they abduct Miss Martian, bring her to Calderam, and uh, and she has to like deprogram him. I think that is my favorite l- storyline in the season, right? Like, is Calderam a traitor? Kind of running parallel with McGann is really going kind of crazy with her powers. Then those two intersect when she like mind fries him, and then there's all the drama of you know, they abduct McGann and then they have to do stage the breakout so that they don't blow Calderon's cover and everything like that. I just loved all of that stuff. I think that that stuff like works like gangbusters. I I think I generally agree. I I think that maybe McGann doesn't face enough, like kind of like reckoning for like what she's done. Right. Like, yeah, it's actually a big deal in the community. A lot of people really hate McGann for this, uh, for like, um, abusing her mind powers i remember at the time it was a huge mystery for why superboy and mcgann broke up which is it's sort of pinned that way right Right. um 
and then you find out it's because she mind wiped him right because uh, they had an argument and she didn't want to deal with it so she removed the memory of the argument from his mind and he freaked out and I was just like holy shit that's yeah. so trap like that is an insane invasion of his privacy and it is incredibly fucked up for her to have done right and like you know I think that's like a good kind of moment where like you can be like she doesn't quite get it right like this is like and you know but like you need to have her have like a strong comeuppance for it and i just don't think it's there right like it's yeah i mean i think it, there is sort of like a narrative comeuppance in the sense that like a lot of bad shit happens because of this right she almost blows calderam's cover um she royally fucks up with green beetle and blue yeah. beetle obviously because she's like you know so traumatized about about this whatever that she kind of misses the clues that green beetle is actually bad um but uh, I, I kind of agree that I feel like, like there was a moment where, you know, where uh, Nightwing kind of chews out Arsenal and is like, you're off the team. I feel like it would have been very fair to have had that moment uh, with Nightwing and McGann at the end of the, at the end of the season when it's like, okay, all this shit is done. You're, you're out. You, we can't trust you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or at least, or just like something, right? Like something a, a little bit stronger than like. It feels almost like a throwaway line. It was like, oh, I fucked up because I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, dive into, into, into Green Beetle. Um, yeah. What, what is the excuse for what happened with Simon? Like, like the the point is the poison supposed to put him into like a multi month coma because it feels like, you know, they like you know Artemis like, shoots him with the poison and like that's enough to kind of like it feels like more time elapses between like when he goes when, when she poisons him, and like the end of the McGann thing then should or at least, at least it feels that way to me maybe maybe i'm just like got my time my timing off because i watched it too fast in a row but you know i actually think you're correct i do think that is sort of a plot hole i think that might be like a very legitimate plot hole thinking about it yeah because like he like i guess you could hand wave it a little bit that he's just, he's just out for like as long as the plot needs him to be out like that's how strong the the poison is or whatever but it feels feels weird right like um, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um Yeah, I also so I I I think the bi the kind of the big moment, right? Where like, you know, Aqualad like, you know, turns and like fucks over both of them, right? Like I think that that's a well-done scene, but we also I don't think get a lot of build up as like that is like an internal scheme, right? Like we're told that like he's infiltrating them, right? But we don't actually see a lot of like the mechanics of that infiltration as it builds towards this revealing moment, right? Like we see how it clashes with the team, right? How it causes like drama within the, within the team and how it causes uh, problems elsewhere. But we don't see a lot of like Aqualad setting up things so that we have any clue about what this reveal is going to be like. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like I would have liked to see more of like more of that on the inside, but that's, that might just be my preference. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. I, I sort of think the one, two, three that happens with Aqualad. So, because the first thing that happens is there's the ship, there's the Krolatean ship, right? Episode one, you don't know, we don't know shit about Aqualad. Episode two, don't know shit. Episode three, all of a sudden, ho ho, Aqualad is working for the bad guys, right? And you get a little bit of his motivation, right? I, th I think he yells at, you know, he yells at Nightwing about Tula and. You know, he yells at um, 
Aquaman about uh, not knowing who his father was, right? Um, but otherwise, I'm pretty sure, you know, he like it's it's pretty much just established that yep, Aqualad is bad now. Um, and then it happens the second time where he blows up Mount Justice, which I like that episode a lot because it, it that one feels very true to his character. Um, and like you later learn that you know he's doing it to, you know, like he's doing it to sort of like cover the tracks of whatever. Um, but at the time, I remember thinking like, yeah, this is crazy because Aqualad legitimately outsmarts Nightwing, right? That. Dick is not good enough to, to, to kind of go toe-to-toe on a strategic or a tactical level with Aqualad, and Aqualad wins by, you know, by blowing up Mount Justice. And then the third interaction is the Artemis one. And I don't know that I think any moment has affected me in media quite as much as Aqualad stabbing Artemis with the assumption in my head with the understanding in my head that he's evil right just like i it, i freaked out and i think if there's one thing i would criticize about this i hate that they resolve it in the same episode i wish it was a cliffhanger i wish that i got to hang on to that for longer right of just like oh my god he murders one of his friends who like oh i i i was just i was freaking out i was actually watching this i'm pretty sure i was pirating this at the time because i remember pausing it and just having an absolute meltdown as you know like as i was trying to explain maybe somebody was there i think i was trying to explain to like my roommate at the time i was like (gasps) and then aqualad stabs artemis through the chest with his water sword what the fuck you know what i mean and then the immediate undercut of oh it was not you know not actually that didn't actually happen on one hand, I'm happy about it because I don't want Aqualad to be evil and I like him a lot and I think he, I want him to be a good guy who succeeds and not a bad guy who loses, right? But on the other hand, man, I really wish that I got to just like hold on to that moment of just like, <gasps> longer because <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if that would have like felt... Like, I wonder, you know, if we, we split the universe and, like, have that universe where that reveal, where, you know, the back reveal happens if you feel the same way. Just because, like, I could also see that, like, feeling cheap, right? Like, you know, it's like sure. a cliffhanger and then immediately, you know, in the next episode, it's like, well, it's not actually. Yeah, here. you know, honestly, that's fair. That's something I complain about a lot, right? Like, something I complain about is, you know, for, for like, Resurrections, for instance, if you're going to do the Resurrection, let me in on it. Right, I want to yeah, yeah. know. I don't want to feel like I'm being, you know, like lied to. Yeah, yeah. this so, is your uh, right. Man I, of Steel, right? Like or yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like yeah. that, that very much absolutely could have been, you know, like the case or whatever. But man, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it, what a moment! I just loved that moment so much. I thought that, like, I just thought that that was that's like peak storytelling you know like that's that's where that's where you're in the middle of it you got these characters that you're that you care about some drama that you're invested in and the story is like playing for keeps that just like feels so good and i do think that there is a bit of young justice that wants to be high stakes but is also sort of suppressed in a way by it being a kid's show right yeah oh yeah, yeah. um and it can't quite go as big as i would otherwise want it to you know like otherwise want it to go yeah, I think I think I agree with that. Um, I don't know, like, and and I, I, like it's, like I said before, I think it's held back by like 
just like having so many things that it wants to do, right? Like, you know, it was LeGron is like the other Atlantean. Um, uh, and he's like, he's like basically there to be like, just literally just there to be McGon's rebound boyfriend, right? And also be like, yep. I guess, like and a, a huge dick. Yeah. And like but, a huge asshole for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And, and be like also like a bruiser. Like, you know, I, I remember when yeah. he like puffed himself up and was like, there's like a couple of brute like there's like there's like redundancies on this team that like don't make a a, a ton of sense to me. Also, it took me it took me like a Wikipedia search to figure out who um who the uh like the 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 black guy who becomes the guardian um but like I suppose Fasto is right like he's like oh yeah Mal yeah Mal mm-hmm. Mal Mal he's like he's like that guy that showed up from their high school but like is it explained like how he knows like is he just like kind of like he's just kind of there um. I mean, and yeah, I feel like he, he he and Bumblebee have like a little bit of a thing, um, and I think I appreciate it, but I also hate it at the same time. Like the thing I appreciate is I appreciate that it's willing to give these sort of side characters their own little moments, right? Like right. Mal and Bumblebee have an episode that's about their relationship drama. She's working too much. They work together to fight a bad guy, and you know, like tw- it's. That's like classic television. 22 minutes, they solve the problem. You know, they kind of fade into the background. And I think that that's, that's sort of fine. And I kind of... And there's a couple of other places this happens. This also happens with Beast Boy, for instance. Yeah. Um, over the course of the show. And then there are like... And that's when it kind of steps up. There's some uh, more... You, you know, um, Tim... Uh, Tim Drake, who is the new Robin that replaced Dick Grayson, right? Um, Tim Drake has an episode which is kind of about his anxiety about being chosen to pick you know beta or alpha squad whatever you know like whatever it's like and i like that the show takes its time with those characters and it's like oh no 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 like you get an episode here's your episode it's about you it's about your little arc right um but i do think that that is contributes to this feeling of like there being too much you know too much tuna too much going on yeah um in the in the overall in the overall show where you know you have all this stuff with Nightwing, McGann, Superboy, you know, Lagan is part of that, Artemis is part of that, right? Uh, Calderam is obviously central to that. So that's like six characters on just one piece of the storyline, right? Then you have a whole other piece of the storyline that's Blue Beetle, that's Impulse, um, that's Black, you know, like all of these bad guys, Black Beetle, Green Beetle, um, uh, individual members of the Justice League are, you know, popping in and out, right? You have the Infinity Inc. kids or whatever. And I like some of this stuff and I don't like others. Like, I actually like Arsenal's thing for what it's worth. I think Arsenal is cool in the show and I really like his final thing right where the rest where everybody else gets caught and he like kind of freaks out but like also goes hard because he doesn't want to be put on ice again um and becomes sort of this like you know inside agent that is on the war world or whatever else um and i and and another thing that i like about that stuff is uh is that the MacGuffins tend to take center stage like there's a lot of work paid attention to who has what aspect or control of what aspect of the war world, for instance, um, in order to like create a, like a through line just on plot objects, even if there isn't a real through line as much when it comes to, you know, characters, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. No, I, I, I think, I think I buy that. Like one of the things that I think was 
legitimately great on this rewatch, and I don't think I really noticed it before, but I, I paid more attention to it this time, was there's a lot of attention to detail placed on who is doing what at what spots of, w with regard to the war world, right? And, because um, I remember thinking at first, um, so first of all, I love the Mongol episode. I love the Mongol episode a lot, just because Keith Giffen, or I'm sorry, Keith David voices Mongol, and he has a great voice for it. Um, but one of the other things that the Mongol episode does is it creates this real feeling of tension because Mongol explains to the, the superheroes how bad the reach is. And you also know that Mongol gets set, set up by Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage is there in Rimbor and he's the one who's whispering in Mongol's ear that is convincing Mongol to go to Earth with Warworld, which is the first time that you see that actually the light and the reach aren't working together as harmoniously as you thought. And I just think all of that drama is like really good. Um, but it, it that doesn't really interact with any of our main characters all that much, right? Mongol himself is just kind of... Uh, a big guy to move a bunch of plot mechanics into into place to sort of set up the the latter half of the show with this like huge ticking clock of it's not really a ticking clock but it's just sort of this like huge MacGuffin of like who controls the war world at any given time yeah 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 no i i i, I can see that um uh, there's like there, there's a lot of like there's a lot of like weird kind of like side steps in the show too right like um like the court case, right? Like my, my big joke going into this that I, that I failed to deliver was like, I was expecting a great courtroom drama and you know, there's, but like the idea that like the kids managed to convince the obviously corrupt court to be not corrupt for a moment to like, like just like that, that felt like, I don't know. I guess if it's fine because it's not a courtroom drama show, but it's just kind of like, really? Like them like being like, just do this, do it good this time that way you can convince other people to be corrupt okay like <laughs> like yeah like that doesn't bother me so much but it is, it is kind of like I, I was hoping for a little bit more there i mean maybe that's just because yeah i, like I think stuff, that but. that falls into the same resolution as uh the all of the calderam stuff wrapping up so quickly and sort of all the reach stuff wrapping up so quickly yeah. there's a lot of scuttlebutt i do i should say i don't believe this but a lot of people do talk about this there's a lot of scuttlebutt that that the show got canceled early because season one had 26 episodes season two only had 20 um and part of it is that season two got pretty behind in terms of production one of the weird things about young justice season two is so first of all it aired out of order which was awful for a show like this yeah, and there was a huge, gigantic gap between the first half of the season, which ends on Aqualad killing Artemis and then being revealed as an inside agent, right? That was, that was like, the break. And then there was, like, eight months between the rest of the season airing and then the rest of the season aired, and I think a couple of episodes were, like, out of order. So a lot of people were like, the network fucked it, you know, like, fucked it over, which is why the, um, the ending is, is so rushed and you just, like, kind of... There's a lot of stuff that's just like ass pulley, I guess I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for instance, Miss Martian beating up Deathstroke off screen and then posing as Deathstroke and shooting both, you know, Artemis and Aqualad in order to coax a confession out of like all that. You know what I mean? Like that's just like a lot of narrative heavy lifting to be revealed in like thirty seconds of dialogue. Yeah. No, I. I. I that, that's part of maybe why I felt like. Like I said, I would have liked to see a little bit more, like, run-up there. Because, like, I'm mm. I'm fine. Like, 
like letting those things kind of like resolve in the moment because like you know it's you know i i guess i guess i you know whatever it is happens but like you know it, it feels kind of like a v very just so right like um like uh like was was what's his name uh the, like the master the, ma the 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 bad guy sorcerer noticing artemis is enchanted with a locket like was that supposed to be on purpose or was that like a, a misstep like it like all that's really muddled but it all kind of like works out well enough that i'm like okay whatever right like yeah you know yeah like and a lot of that stuff i feel like is just kind of for stakes in the moment in yeah. a way right like it kind of doesn't matter that Rachel ghoul immediately sees the glamour charm on artemis because we you know as a writer we know that this is all coming to a head anyway so you can you can kind of afford to let that stuff you know like to let that stuff happen whereas before you know and this is part of why i think the middle of the season is so good right like before there is a lot of tension around will artemis get you know revealed will calderon get revealed how do how does sportsmaster and cheshire's attack on the sub end in a way that doesn't blow their cover right um and so like that those plot mechanics are very interesting but then you're kind of left with this thing of like i guess we know that you know like we, like we 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 understand the underlying set of circumstances and the drama's kind of already played out we've already done this like aquaman is an ins or aqualad is an inside job sort of thing and there's nowhere else to go so we're just going to kind of clip it in a whole episode and it does the same thing that um that happened in season one where you walk into an episode with a certain premise and then the rug kind of gets ripped out from under you right where the premise of the episode in season one is oh i'm actually lex luther's my dad and i'm evil or queen b is blackmailing me or whatever but then you learn that oh no actually they all had a conversation and solved this issue kind of beforehand or whatever um, it's the same sort of thing, right? Like, Aqualad sets up the light and the reach for this failure, but we walk into that episode with an understanding that, you know, this is about the the light and the reach falling out. Yeah, no, and and it's it's better than like like the other thing that that weirdly popped into my mind is um, Ocean's Twelve. Um, right, where, like, the whole thing is a work, but we're not aware of it as the audience. Like, we're at least partially yeah. aware of it. But I would have liked, to, you know, to have had, like, the heist walk-in type moment, right? Because, like, that, that that makes, I don't know, I like I like those moments. And I think they, they work better. But I, I, could see, I could see it being, like, cut short, right? Because, like, like there's, there's a couple of things that happen in, in this moment. Like you said, the, the Reach thing gets wrapped up real quick. Um, I did like the touch where uh, G. Gordon Jeffrey, like, show like you know isn't a total shitbag right like he's like consistent at least he's like oh so you're actually a shitbag alien right like explain yourself right like um like that like for what is obviously kind of like a very a, a, a very kind of like blatant kind of like parody of like a like what it, i assume it's like a fox news talking head right like yeah well uh, so jake gordon godfrey actually predates that he is a character from old justice league comics who I'm pretty sure was hired by Lex Luthor and then later turns out to be Desaad from Apocalypse, but I could be wrong. Or maybe Granny Goodness? I guess G. Gordon. So it, she, it, he could also be Granny Goodness as well. It's really confusing. What is Gra but Who's he, Granny Goodness? You don't know who Granny Goodness is? No. 
Hvad var det, jeg postede? Oh my god. Okay, så. So, let, me, let me see if I can... Let me see if I can back up for this. So in Zack Snyder's Justice League, there's the guy with the melty face. Do you remember that guy that, like, that Steppenwolf is talking to? Yeah, yeah. I That's Desaad. Desaad is, like, Darkseid's kind of, like, vizier and, like, high torturer or sure. whatever. There's a flashback in there where you see, where you see Darkseid... And then on one side you see Desad, and on the other side you see a woman in like battle armor with like white hair. Okay. Remember that at all? Vaguely. That's that character <laughs> is truly named Granny Goodness, and is a evil. Is she's kind of Darkseid's like bodyguard, like captain of his guard. She she runs a group called the the uh, the Female Furies, I think. Um, There's a there's a bunch of them. They have names. They're supervillains or whatever. Um, the most important detail from that is that one of them used to be Big Barda, who is another superhero and is related to all this shit. Anyway, the point is, nope. Granny Goodness is a real character who exists, and I'm pretty sure G. Gordon Godfrey is either Desaad or Granny Goodness in the comics. The the the, the important thing. G. Gordon Godfrey has a talk show where he shits on the Justice League. I think this is from the 80s, where he just shits on the Justice League relentlessly, and the Justice League has really bad PR. That's like just like an underlying thread, you know, so, at some point in the in the comics. So who, come, um, who comes first, him or G. J. Jonah Jameson? Because it, it seems like there's like an obvious parallel there, right? Like oh, J. Jonah Jameson for sure, okay. absolutely. Um, but um, and yeah, and G. Gordon Godfrey is absolutely doing that J. Jonah Jameson thing. Um, But uh, but it's a little more tactical. Like J. Jonah Jameson legitimately is a shit. It's like he's a shithead, but he like legitimately believes that Spider Man is a menace or whatever, right? Um, G. Gordon Godfrey is doing it to discredit the Justice League for whatever purposes. In the show, it is. Um, I think he just works for Lex Luthor. Right? Yeah, well, in the show, um, the show. It's, I mean, I guess it could go either way because yeah. if if Luthor wants him to to turn on the Reach, he could he could he could do that. But like, it at least. From the viewer's perspective, at this moment in the show, he could he, he could legitimately he could, he could be like, you know, a true believer. I guess is the right way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I also I do also appreciate that he is uh, he is a true believer, especially because it weirdly puts the light in this position of being good guys, which I always thought I that is like, I love it. I was I was pitching this the other day when it came to Warcraft. We, um, you know, maybe we can talk about this in the back half or whatever. But like the 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 trope where the good guys have to team up with the bad guys because like there is a greater threat at play. So Superman and Lex Luthor are working together to beat up Darkseid. You know, whoever. Right. That's like all timer. That I love that trope. I go ape shit for that trope. And they essentially did that here with the Reach, which was which was really cool and I liked it a lot. <laughs> oh man. You, have you seen um The Rocketeer? I think that's the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I like the the moment that always reminds me of that is like is when the mafia boss like is like I might be a mafia boss, but I'm a <laughs> goddamn American. <laughs> but I'm American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Well, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about the Rocketeer for? Wow, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. That's a good movie though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no, it's... that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a whole bit there's a whole thing in in, um, in uh, like modern era Justice League comics where um, 
I've, I've explained this this story this storyline before. It's called Forever Evil, where the evil version from an alternate universe, right? The crime syndicate, which is like the mirror version of the Justice League, where they're they're all evil. It's it's Ultraman, Owl Man. Um, I can't remember any of the other names, but there's like a bunch of these. There's a bunch of these characters, and they're they're like it's it's you know Superman but evil. It's Batman but evil. They come to Earth and they imprison all of the heroes in the world inside of Firestorm's head, which makes sense in context, but I won't explain it. Okay. Um, the storyline of Forever Evil is that the you know so the crime syndicate show up. They're trying to take over the world, and the people who stand against them are the supervillains, right? It's Lex Luthor, uh, Black Manta, Sinestro, uh, Captain Cold, who are like the arch enemies of each of the individual members of the Justice League, right? And there's this great moment of like, uh, like there's this moment where the evil Flash shows up and Captain Cold shoots the evil Flash's leg, freezing it, and then kicks his, like kicks its knee and the, the his whole leg shatters, right? And that's the kind of shit that you can't do that. Captain Cold can't do that to the Flash, but he can do that to the evil Flash, right? Yeah. And so there's, and so just like the bit of the supervillains being the good guys taking down worse supervillains, like that's just that's just good shit. Yeah. That, that is just a plus. I love it every day. If I recall correctly, though, Ca Ca Captain Cold isn't like Captain Cold's more greedy than he is like a bad, like an like an evil for evil sake. Uh, yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. One of the rule. Yeah, so Captain Cold is like the leader of the Rogues, which is like yeah the, the Rogues Gallery. That's where the, the term comes from. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, it's where the term comes from. Yeah, so the rogues are like the sinister six of the the Flash's um, rogues gallery, and they have a bunch of rules. And one of them is don't kill the Flash. You know, they're they're just looking to rob banks. You know, or uh, they're just common criminals, right? And um, and so he it is he like he is just sort of like a normal villain compared to somebody like sinestro who's like fucking space hitler basically. yeah no i mean <laughs> you know? th that is that is what i like about like like him and like um lex luther because lex luther is always kind of he's he's like the um he's like syndrome from from invincibles right like he's kind of yeah. like you know i i am the apex of humanity but i am on humanity's side type of thing right like um i think i think that makes for like very compelling villains especially on like an ongoing basis right like you know yeah i mean that's exactly what they're doing here with the light right you know yeah uh rachel Gould. i actually i like that we learn more about the individual members of the light like there's the thing where ocean master is deposed kind of off screen and like black manta takes that spot so you have you know and it's interesting that they are pretty human based right there's not a lot of uh, like aliens or stuff like that. So like you do get to decide that yeah, you know at the end of the day like Vandal Savage is a huge piece of shit, but he's a p piece of shit that wants the Earth to remain protected from intergalactic threats, right? Which is part of where the story ends, right? Um, when it comes to Earth and the War World and galactic stuff with the Reach. Yeah, I, I kept I kept confusing in my head Vandal Savage with um, Immortal Man, the, the guy the guy from um, Invincible. Oh, the immortal. Yeah, that you know that's funny. Vandal Savage and the immortal are kind of the same character. No, like Vandal Savage is like the first caveman who he's like a caveman. He like finds a meteor and the meteor makes him literally live forever. And he is legitimately a bunch of people in history. Like Vandal Savage, I think is Genghis Khan. He's just like a bunch of famous people from history. It's like oh, this was Vandal Savage the whole time, right? I I even think he might have been Hitler or something like that, right? 
Um, but so the immortal is sort of the good version of Vandal Savage in a way, because the immortal is literally Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, yeah. We, we, we talked about that during that episode, but like I, yeah. and, but they, they look similar, right? Like they kind of got like that, like, yeah. like so I'm like, like staring at Vandal Savage, like, was he Abraham Lincoln? It's like, no, that's the other guy. <laughs> he was not Abraham Lincoln. Vandal Savage was absolutely not Abraham Lincoln. I'm sorry to report. Yeah. I mean, I love Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage is probably one of my favorite, you know, just like, supervillains in general and so him sort of taking center stage i like that he that he is the the kind of head it seems of the light compared to lex luthor because i think it, it is easy if you're in the writer's room of junk justice right and you're like okay we're we're making this supervillain team of a bunch of mastermind characters who is in charge right it's so easy to say lex luthor right or even rachel ghoul or kind of any of these other you know like members right um, but I think Vandal Savage is the coolest answer, and I am glad that they went with that answer. I have a couple of curious questions. Um, is is sure. Vandal Savage somebody's um, somebody's uh, villain in particular? Like, is he primary? Like, you know, like he is mostly the villain of the Justice Society. He's not not of any of like the major real heroes. The 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 most common. He he's kind of. Um, kind of like do you know kang the conqueror in marvel uh i the, i am i'm vaguely familiar and that might thanos be is actually kind of a pretty good example of okay. this too actually where he is a he is sort of a team villain for the justice society and the justice league rather than an individual villain right like we would say we would say lex luthor isn't an, an individual villain for superman but he's like part of the villain team or rachel ghoul is an individual villain for batman but he's part of the the team yeah. vandal savage is really more of just like a wider team villain right he okay. he has specific relationships with certain characters but one almost all of those characters i'm pretty sure are justice society characters they don't show up in this like wildcat and the Alan Scott Green Lantern and the original version. I guess we do see Jay Garrick in this, but like he has he has a lot of beef with those three in particular from like the Justice Society. Um, but I don't know. In most of comics, Vandal Savage is just a team you know team villain of this like kind of mastermind immortal kind of thing. That was the other question: is does he have powers that aren't like lives forever and uh, I get and like has like you know billions of years or not millions but like thousands of years of experience? I think he. He might have, like, low-level kind of, like, super strength and shit like that, but maybe not. I mean, one of the weird things about um, Vandal Savage is that he is, like, one of the people that he is is um, Cain from the Cain and Abel story, okay, right? Okay, yeah. Where, and in the comics, there's a whole, there's a whole thing about this, which is called the, the Bible of Crime, or maybe it's just the Crime Bible. Um, and there's this kind of religion of crime where Cain is revered as kind of the first prophet because he committed the first crime he committed the first murder right um wait is god real in the dc universe so first of all yes but secondly that doesn't quite play into any of this (laughs) the 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 whole thing with the crime bible is it's a bunch of prophecies and so it's it's this quite it's it's like it's sort of like Ilganoth whispers in WoW or whatever. It's just like a ton of shit that is just like shotgunned, and some of it is like, oh, the the red the red rock and the rage or whatever. And the red rock is the rock that Cain uses to bash Abel's head in, and then I think it's also the meteorite that gives Vandal Savage his immortality. Also, um, 
And anyway, <clears throat> so, uh, th like, that's a whole other piece of it that is, like, incredibly complicated and goes into all of these other things. It actually does show up a little bit, I think, because there's Intergang and Whisperer Dare. Do you remember those? They're using Apocalyptin weapons tech in the first season maybe the second season wait oh oh yeah like the that was the first season right? yeah the first where, where it's like that's where sphero comes from or like sphere 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 girl or oh yeah the super cycle yeah by yeah. the way the super cycle comes from the comics and i can explain that in a minute but the uh, the the apocalyptic tech that they're using if that intergang is using intergang is like the administrators of this bible of this like crime bible um and like whisper adair is like the leader of this whole of this whole thing i don't know it's very good i will say all the other stuff with the bible of crime and everything like that but it's complicated as fuck okay it's cra you know what's crazy that i know all of this shit offhand <laughs> yep no i mean like you know i, I love myself a good a, a good lore dive but like it's like yeah this is the deep this is the deep dive of lore yeah the super cycle comes from the original young justice comic books actually as does, uh, you remember the episode about secret and harm? No. Wait, which ones, which, there's, which ones are these? In, I think it's season one. There's an episode about a ghost. Oh, the ghost you kid. You say the Ooh, word se secret. Yeah, because your older brother killed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So secret, so the original version of Young Justice, which, okay, there's three tiers. There's the Justice, okay, four tiers. There's the Justice Society way up top, all of the Golden Age heroes. Then there's the Justice League, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, right? Then, at the time, there were the Titans. They were not the Teen Titans. The Teen Titans had grown up, Nightwing, Arsenal, um, a couple of other characters. Aqualad, who is not the black Aqualad, he's the white Aqualad. Garth becomes Tempest, right? They become the Titans, right? And then under them is the, the original Young Justice book, which is um, Tim Drake's Robin, Superboy, Connor Kent, Impulse, who shows up in season two, right, as, uh, and before he is Kid Flash, he's Impulse, um, and then a couple of other characters, Mitch Martian is not involved in this, and the, and Secret is one of the characters, she's a ghost, she phases through shit, I think she also might be able to, like, possess people, and one of the episodes, they find Sphere, and figure out that it is an apocalyptic super motorcycle and they go joyriding in the apocalypse super motorcycle both of those episodes were written by peter david who is the comic book art like guy who came up with the young justice team and wrote that whole like that whole series of issues so like they just included those two episodes i guess as a weird shout out to like me in particular because i don't even think young justice was that popular a comic book like <laughs> It's not famous at all. It only lasted for a couple of issues because then the, the, then what happened is the, the Teen Titans got rebooted. Impulse became the true Kid Flash, right? Um, Cyborg took over, like, command of the team or whatever. Starfire was a part of it. It's this whole thing. Yeah, it's complicated as fuck, <laughs> this lore. Does Wally West die in the comics? Mm-mm. Okay. Like, not even a little bit? Barry Allen dies in the comics, and Wally West becomes the new Flash. Okay. So, in 1986, the Crisis on Infinite Earths happens, and Barry Allen sacrifices himself to save the universe. And Wally West, who is Kid Flash at the time, uh, just gets promoted. He just becomes the Flash. Uh, and Barry Allen stays dead for the next 25 years until he gets resurrected. All right. Maybe and in 2010 it, or something. Is it, is it canonical that Wally West is not as fast as Flash or Impulse? 
Uh, actually, the opposite. Uh, it's canonical that Wally West is faster because of the speed. So the I have heard of the, the speed, speed force. force. Yes, okay, I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah. So the speed force gets activated when you can run faster than the speed of light. Right. The thing that gives you access to the speed force is. If you can run fast in the speed of light, you have access to the power of the speed force. Um, certain characters have access to the power of, of the speed force, but can't go as fast as the speed of light anymore. Whereas, like, Superman never has access to the speed force because he can never break the barrier kind of thing. But, like, Jay Garrick, I think, he can only go supersonic speed now. He can't go light speed anymore. Um, but Wally West, all of that stuff with the speed force got established in Wally West's book. Okay. Uh, where it became clear that you know he can run faster than the speed of light that that's what defines like a flash like the flash um the whole thing of wally not being able to vibrate um is actually a bit from the original young justice book that bart allen impulse is like suffering from where um he can't he can't do the the phase thing and he fucks it up kind of like constantly until he until he figures it out Okay. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I'm, that's actually kind of what I assumed was happened. That like we were gonna get some speed force bullshit because, what with with like Wally West is gonna come come back from that. Well, didn't you say you looked up that Wally West no, doesn't come back? I know he doesn't get. Well, he doesn't come back yet. I like. I. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there is a season four coming out. Yeah. Time. Yeah. No. I and, and like I I like that is such like, that is like the thing about that was like it was all the hallmarks of like not really dead. Right. Doesn't like leave a corpse. Like va vanishes in a flash. And, like, when the Blue Beetle says, like, he will cease, he doesn't say he will die, he says he will cease, right? Like, which is, like, you know, like, a, you know, you know, this is, like, you know, a year or two, you know, the Blue Beetle's, like, he ceased, he didn't die, right? Like, all you have to do is, like, you know, do the thing and then he'll come back or whatever, right? Like, um, and I assume that that was going to be a season three plot line. I mean, maybe it's never going to be a plot line and they'll let it, because they do this sometimes where, like, the things that I think are, like, obvious story beats um, just don't happen. Oh, yeah, we ended with a bunch of predictions last time, right? Do you remember what any of your predictions were? I don't. Not at all. Um, I don't remember either. It was too long ago. What predictions do you have for season three? Uh, I mean, I would have said that Wally West comes back, but, you know, obviously that's that's not the case. Um, Fair enough. That one's off the table. Yeah. Disqualified. Um, uh, honestly, I don't know just because, like, it wrapped up most of kind of, like, the outstanding questions. Um, also, the time jump was, like, like, it was, like, right then at the start of the season, like, wow. Like, they left it on a cliffhanger and then, like, let five years go by. Look at that. Uh, to be clear, and I do want to I do want to add this just as a little bit of context. Keep in mind that there are eight years between the wrap-up, real-life years, between the, the end of season two wrapping up on Cartoon Network and the debut of season three, which I don't know if this matters to you, but it's called Young Justice Outsiders, um, debuting on the DC Universe app that would eventually become HBO Plus, HBO Max or whatever it's called. Um, so I don't know if that factors into your predictions at all, but is, is there another time that, skip? That happened. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's definitely not as drastic as last time, though. There's maybe honestly there isn't. There's got to be. There's a, it's a pretty different status quo when you like walk into okay. when you walk into the new team. But I don't get the sense that everybody's that much older. In the yeah. sense that, like, you know, Dick Grayson going from Robin to Nightwing is a pretty big gap. Whereas, I don't think that there's anything along those lines in the next one. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, you can't... I, I don't think you can go eight years and have half these people still be Young Justice, right? Like, except for, like, you maybe, like, Connor, right? Like, um, 
Whatever. Well, well, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll see. But like, what, what are my predictions then? Uh, I honestly don't know. There's like more okay, fighting. Okay, so if I were to light. tell you, there's one character in the current team, the wide, you know, everyone from Nightwing to Batgirl, right? Who is the narrative spine of season three? Who's kind of like the under the underlying character? Who is kind of like Blue Beetle was in this season, right? Who do you think that would be? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me to not metagame this question because, like, the way you present that, it means like it's not going to be somebody that I would expect it to be. Um, but uh, who who would I think would be the narrative spine of season three? Like, okay, so who, who do I think already has had, has done that? There, I think McGon's already had that. I think Connor's already had that. I think um, Blue Beetle obviously already had that. Um, Wally West is is gone. Artemis, I think, gets sidelined. Like, I think, like, her storyline was last season as well. Um, Nightwing is Nightwing, so I don't, I, like, I think he's too much for that for that to be the, the thing. Um, it's, there's already been Blue Beetle. I think the Infinity Inc. kids, I think, are off the table um, because they're not in Young Justice. Um, Aqualad's off the table. Um, which I guess leaves, like, what are my options then, like? People that are still on the team, like the only thing that comes to mind that like I think would like could happen would be like Beast Boy, but my <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I, yeah like uh, I I don't want to give away anything no else. no I, I'm I was, not going to confirm or deny yeah, yeah. but I just think that I'm so interested in your thought process going into going into that like crossing everybody off the list like hmm <laughs> because you know. You know, I don't know. I feel like if you were to ask me that question, I had to watch season three. I could easily make an argument for, oh well, obviously it's going to be Arsenal, it's going to be Beast Boy, it's going to be Cassie, you know, Wonder Girl. It's going to mm. be, you know, like I feel like you could make it. You could make an argument for kind of like any of these characters. But. Well, doesn't who 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 exits in the denouement? Right, like they said that like somebody asked somebody like told somebody that they like there was that Bat Boy or not Bat Boy was that like Robin and Batgirl. Some two people leave, like the way that Artemis and Wally leave because of what happens to Wally. Like they get mentioned, gets mentioned offhand at the end of at the end of like the last episode. Um, God, I don't remember. Um, but they exit to normal life because you know Wally dying like tells lets them know that. Um, I think Is it's Mal and Bumblebee. That might be it. I don't. I don't I'll, I'll go back and watch it uh, again okay. or something. Um. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited now to watch to watch season three, <laughs> which, which will in a minimum happen in three weeks because we've got uh, yeah a million a million other things we to got take movies. care of. Well, speaking of a million other things to take care of, what have you been up to in uh, in your week? So uh, played some. So the big thing is I watched uh, the Green Knight, uh, the A24 Green Knight. Uh, oh sure, which um, I enjoyed. Um, it's. I thought it was like kind of like a, a neat modern retelling of of the classic story. It's like very kind of like close to the classic story in a lot of ways, and doesn't really like ch- like it changes up some things, um, but it's very stylistic, which I thought was neat and different from a lot of the things I saw. Um, uh, but like I've seen this kind of like divisive on the internet. Like it got like it's one of those like high Rotten Tomatoes or high critic score, low audience score movies. Um, I've seen people with much different takes. Like even even kind of like people that I like say follow on Twitter. Right, um, and the biggest one for this one is my brother hated it. 
Um, he thought it was like all style and no substance. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, which like I, I get, but like you no, know, I kind of appreciated that, I guess. Um, but you know, uh, I guess I guess you'd call it a polarizing film. Um, it was uh, now I sort of want to see it more. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to see it. I don't want to say a lot minorly wanted to see it i did want to see it i, I will say that i wanted to see it because it was like you know like i thought like a thurian legend is neat and like a24 is kind of like it's something that i will watch and it won't be like any block like you know it won't be like fucking black widow right like it will be the anti-black widow which it fulfilled for me right like um because i am kind of tired of blockbusters at this point he says going okay. into james Gunn's the suicide squad james Gunn's suicide squad okay. hey famously at like 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I've seen many people call it his magnum opus, which you know, maybe he like like I really liked Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, so like I, like a, an auteurish, and I really I love Guardians of the Galaxy film, so an auteurish Suicide Squad might do it for me. Um, the one I think rated R is all it needed. I think mm. that he is going to have so much license, you know, to do the kind of shit that he never could pull off in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie because. They're PG thirteen. That so that's the thing. That is the thing that makes me go like, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm and, super excited. And you don't hire James Gunn if you're not gonna like let him take control at some level, right? Like we we've seen this happen yep. before, where like um, I think it was like the first Ant Man was supposed to be. Uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah, and then what was the other one that um, that Han Solo was taken away from was given to like, what, uh, what's his name. <sighs> Ron, Ron Howard, Ron from, Howard. Uh, from Chris and Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Chris Miller and Phil Lord. I don't remember which. Lord and Miller. Is. Yeah, just... yeah. Lord and Miller. Um, Geniuses, as they say. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, that would like, I think, I think that, uh, like, I'm, I'm, I am excited for that. But like, like Free Guy, right? Like, which is the one that we're gonna see in two weeks because, like, I like, I like, I like what's his name. Uh, I like Ryan Reynolds, but uh, that seems like it's going to be a very formulaic movie. Um, yeah, especially because you know somebody. I think it's Patrick Willems who we've talked about on the podcast before. I, I think I gave him a uh, I gave him a derpy last year as like the best YouTube video essays or whatever because of his quarantine talk show bit. Um, he described Ryan Reynolds and The Rock as these two movie stars who are kind of their own genre of movie. Like, Ryan Reynolds brings that Deadpool energy to any project he's in, um, and he kind of, that's his whole shtick now, is being the kind of self-aware, wise guy who understands that he's in a movie at any given time. And I wonder, I think a, a more negative part of me it would say, I think that's bad. But a more positive part of me that is trying to give him the sort of the benefit of the doubt is, this is an this is a pretty good premise to kind of execute that in. Yeah, so, so, I think really what I'm afraid of though. Do you remember the movie Hancock? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The movie Hancock was sort of sold to me on this promise of being a superhero movie about a, you know, like a drunk, you know, irresponsible jackass sort of thing, right? And the movie has a lot of Hancock being an irresponsible jackass of a superhero, right? And how that's funny and it's engaging and it's compelling. But then it also, like, breaks down into this incredibly strange 
plot at the end about like gods and like angels i think it's angels not gods actually where hancock is actually an angel and that's why he has superpowers and like all this other sort of shit and i'm sort of afraid that that's what's going to happen in free guy because free guy seems like a fun in games movie it is a movie that sets mm. up a premise to have fun in games the premise is you're an npc in a video game and you are self-aware about it but let's let's do all the fun in games clever shit inside of that that you can but every fun in games movie has to end with some kind of climax or whatever right and some of them end well and some of them end poorly and i think this one's trending towards poorly based on what i've seen but we'll see we'll yeah see. so so i think it's either i think it was today um it was either today or yesterday he, he on his his youtube channel released like a spot which is um one of the one of the end movie characters is dude which is like ryan reynolds literally ryan reynolds face cg'd onto some bodybuilder um and uh like like it shows a little clip of that and then he talks about like how he worked out to get in shape for the role but it's like literally just his face cg'd onto onto a bodybuilder or onto like a wwe star it's like um okay. it's it's funny i i, I felt kind of bad because like the whole the whole bit is him like talking about like doing roids to get in shape but when i look it up it's like <laughs> the wwe guy who's like a leukemia survivor right like like if you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, sometimes these these movies work. They, they like Jumanji is an example of this, right? Like I thought that the Jumanji sequel that was like is that's probably the best video game movie, like movie about video games that has ever been made, in my opinion. And that movie is all fun and games up through and including the climax, right? Like it climaxes even you know even through its fun and games. Um, so I, I definitely think that this kind of thing is possible, but. Yeah, I don't know. I also I also yeah. like Taiki Watiti, and he's like the villain. I, I wonder, I'm, I'm looking it up now. I'm just curious if he's the um, if he's the uh, director as well, or if he's. There's no way he's the director. We would know if he's the director. He's like a name, you know. But. Right. It's fucking. IMDb is not cooperating with me. Apparently, there's a a Venom trailer or a Carnage trailer. Um, I did see the Carnage trailer. The Carnage trailer intrigues me more and more because it seems like they have done the interesting thing of not caring about the comics and instead caring about the previous movie, which I think is neat, mm. just from an intellectual point of view, right? Like, that their, that their point of view was, oh, Venom was weirdly really successful, even though it kind of sucked, but was really entertaining at the same time. Let's just lean into how weird and entertaining Venom was like all of the weird stuff that made the original Venom so entertaining instead of worrying about continuity or any of these other like comic book mm -hmm. shit. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So the director is Sean Levy who, uh, Oh my God. Wait, I know him. He was a, like, he is, what did he direct? He, so he was a producer on stranger things. He also directed eight episodes of stranger things. Uh, he also directed an episode of Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, yeah, I think he directed he's Real Steel. Oh my god, I love that movie. Did you do you know that movie? Yeah, that's the that's the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie, right? Yeah, the Rock'em Sock'em that movie is. I think I saw it on a plane. It that movie, yeah, that movie is just. I mean, that movie is entirely just like Hugh Jackman, charismatic actor, like the you know the movie. But maybe that's what makes maybe Free Guy is a spiritual successor because like Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have that uh, that like online internet rivalry. Oh my god! Wait, they do? Yeah, yeah, they have like they have like a like a, a fake internet like beef. 
Um, usually it result usually it's between like Hugh Jackman's coffee company and Ryan Reynolds' gin company. I've never heard of it. Yeah, no, I mean this this I got this this I have mostly found out about because I'm subscribed to Ryan Reynolds' okay, YouTube channel. Okay, I know why I know this guy. He's the Knight of the Museum guy. Oh, is Those he really? Two, do you remember these Knight of the Museum movies? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, with uh, fucking uh, Ben Stiller. No, Ben Stiller. The, the, the one that always pops into my head because because like I was shocked that I recognized him was um, Andy Griffith, right? It's. Oh really? Isn't he? Isn't he like the villain? Like the it, the. the no, no, I don't remember. I mean, you know, I remember Owen Wilson is a cowboy. Robin Williams is Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, the museum. Let, There's a couple of other people who are like people in that. Yeah. Uh, no, it's Dick Van Dyke, not Andy Griffith. Oh, Dick Van, Van Dyke. Dyke. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I got my. Yeah, because he's the evil janitor, right? Yeah. Okay, I now remember this. Yeah, and, and yeah, um, that, that that was basically kind of like a, a very much a uh, what's the word? Um, a cameo movie. It felt like we're like you know like like sure. yeah yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, so yes, I watched the Green Knight, um, uh, and I played some WoW. I got my first flawless uh, level ten run on uh, on on Torghast, which was mm -hmm. which was uh, fun. Um, was it hard? How how hard or easy do you find flawless? So that level ten run, it just like the the the, the powers I drew were uh, like the like the the run powers I drew were just like very good for me. So. That, sure. that was easy. And right before we recorded this, I did a level nine run because I wanted to try and pull the. Uh, I wanted to get the the cosmetic. I was too anima short of having the cosmetic, so I was very very frustrated. Um, <laughs> Wait, which cosmetic? Like the shoulders? The yeah, or it's the back piece. That's a thousand anima. Once you ascend. Oh, in the yeah, in the vaults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. see, I need. To, I I should theoretically be doing that. So I'm doing these twelves, and the twelves are very clearly built. For someone who is much better geared than I am, I, I did one twelve by myself and got a ranking of zero because I died fifteen times or something, <laughs> and like each death reduces your score by forty. So I had like negative three hundred as my or whatever the number was, right? Negative six hundred, I guess. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I could complete it, and I got the soul cinders, but I was it was not it was not great. Um, yeah. But going into the Adamant Vaults, I find to be very cool and fun. I like the Adamant Vaults a lot. I, I do too. Um, but yeah, like a couple weeks ago, I would say that level 10 was tough. And like that was my like push, um, my push goal. Um, but now it's kind of like, I was surprised that I got a Flawless on it, but it was it was not hard. Um, yeah, I found that Flawless is mostly up to those like bonus modifier things. So it's about doing the things like I always try and make sure I kill two elites right on top of each other because that's 10 points or something right or um there's one for stacking a bunch of the same obleron armament so there are some times where it's like oh i already have two haste ones i'm gonna take this three haste one because it gets me to five and that's a that's another 10 points or whatever it's about like we're like remembering those um those like knowledge break points or whatever it's called yeah um and then like getting and like I think, part, I think a big part of it too is just like getting enough of the. I think the important um, upgrades in like the knowledge box are um, reduced number of torments and increased number of like bonuses and mm -hmm. like I don't know. I mean, for timing, like 
like the pickup the auto pickup one is is insanely useful but or it's more useful than i gave it credit for i ended up taking it kind of late but um i'm also not like put like pushing hard to like max out my knowledge every week um yeah i think it's pretty impossible to, i mean not impossible i think you could if you wanted to but i did a pretty okay run at 12 and got 120 points and I think I have like seven hundred, like before I hit the cap or whatever. Right, but you, you can rerun like, to get more shit. knowledge. No, sure, sure, sure. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, like I like I said, I, I ran I ran another a, a nine to try and like get the cosmetic, and I might run another nine after this one just to like run through it. Also, so they fixed touch of death, which is fixed touch of death without patch notes, right? Like it's like they like they <laughs> didn't want anybody like no, no one cares about monk, I guess, because like it was like some people were talking about it, and then it like they, they fixed it, so you know. And that makes that makes that makes Torghast run super easy, right? Like, you know, I get like one of two powers or two 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 either you know, I get either two touch of death cooldown reductions or a all cooldowns reductions and a touch of death cooldown reduction. And I've got infinite touch of death and that like makes running through the level fairly easy. And if I can stack even a little bit of health, then I can uh then I can get through like th there's like it is very infrequent where i don't have a state where like getting to the end is easy it's just a matter of like you said like getting the point things to line up to, yeah. to, to hit the adamant vault yeah i mean i think that's the what, what's so clever about uh torghast or like the torghast changes is they you know before the game design linked everything in to can you beat the boss right your progression and all this other stuff whereas now you've they've segmented out rewards where it's like okay the Adamant Vaults, which includes Gem Socket sometimes, it includes Conduit sometimes, right? That's top tier, right? I can't believe there's a siren in the background, sorry about that. Then there's progression, right? You get a four and you can go to the next level. And then the baseline, just complete the dungeon, is how you get Soul Ash and Soul Cinders. And it's just like the freest shit. Yeah. Um, the, oh, the only other thing I think of note that I did this because I played a little bit of, um, it's called the Ascent or Ascend, I forget which. Um, it's part of Microsoft Game Pass, which is why I, I checked it out. It's like a, a twin-stick cyberpunk shooter. Um, it's not quite twin-stick, but it's like it's, it's like an action RPG. The problem is, is that it doesn't really have loot, and so it didn't really draw me in. I think it's pretty good for what it is, and if you like that style of gameplay um, for what it is, I think you might have a good time with it. I just kind of like... I, it just didn't click with me, mostly because like the, the like there's, there's not a lot of loot there. It's kind of like you get like one of each thing and then you upgrade them is, is what it seems like um didn't play a ton a ton of it yet but um it just didn't it didn't click with me um but uh, other people have said good things about it it's a competent game it's got a little bit of like Eurojank to it which is nice mm -hmm. like it's kind of like a nice feeling but uh you know otherwise it's uh it's a game uh what, what have you done with your week uh, so the first thing that I did is I went and I saw F9 finally which I honestly feel bad that I did not do sooner because, like, I loved every fucking second of this movie. And it's just... It's made for... The, these movies are made for me. These Fast and Furious movies. Because they are simultaneously so ridiculous. And also so sincere. Like, this, this is another... I'm, I'm sort of copying this from Patrick H. Willis. Something that he talks about is how the the friction there was friction growing in the fast and furious franchise specifically in uh the fate of the furious because vin diesel and the rock have these incredibly different sort of like tones where the rock is very like 
winking and he's like hey i'm a movie star and i look like a you know i look like a a cartoon and but you know if you just get great grab a bag of popcorn i'm going to show you a good time right whereas vin diesel is treating the fast and the furious franchise like it's fucking lawrence of arabia like it is shakespeare like it is i i like like he thinks he's gonna win a fucking oscar you know talking about family or whatever and like the sincerity that comes with that is part of the juice that's part of the secret fast and furious juice just to like just to like hammer this point home i wrote a tweet i came out of that movie at midnight and i wrote a series of tweets which was a comprehensive list of the seven times i cried watching f9 number one realizing that dom named his kid after paul walker's character brian right at the start Number two, when Han shot the three guys chasing Letty and Mia in Tokyo because Han was famously killed at the end of Tokyo Drift and has been dead in the lore for, like, the last two movies and got brought back. We, we know this from the trailers. This isn't much of a spoiler. Got brought back in F9 because Justin Lin loves me. Number three, when Mia showed up at uh, the base to help track down Jacob and said that Brian is with Brian because Brian is the name of paul walker's character and it is also the name of dom's in-universe son who he named after paul walker's character and they constantly are telling you that even though the real paul walker is dead his character in the fast and the furious franchise is living his best life caring for his family number four when han showed up at the base and hugged the whole crew especially dom number five when jacob comes back at the end to help john dom take down the bad guy and they work together to flip the truck with their magnets and dom saves jacob's life and they're so in sync even though they hate each other number six when han shows up at the family barbecue at the end of the movie and hugs the characters from tokyo drift who have not showed up in a fast and furious movie until f9 and then number seven when dom asks little brian if he's ready to say grace at the family barbecue the family barbecue is very important to fast and furious lore and it's just it's so good it's just so good it just it hits me where i live it's about family i just love these movies so fucking much and I cannot possibly express how perfect they are for my weird blend of, like, over-the-top ridiculous action and also, like, dead serious gravitas sincerity. You know, I... There you go. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I tell myself I'm going to rewatch or I'm going to watch them every time, but uh, I never get around to it. We um, watch Tokyo Drift as part of the... You know, so, like, for, for Akupar games, you do, like, movie night every two weeks. And, uh... And the most recent one, I put up a poll, which was all of the Fast and Furious movies. And somehow, the two breakaway contenders were the very first Fast and Furious and Tokyo Drift. And Tokyo Drift, like, barely won, which was, uh, which was nice, because Tokyo Drift is fucking amazing. It's like, Tokyo Drift is, like, secretly one of the best Fast and Furious movies, if I'm being honest. Um, just because, like, it really is is where the, the whole franchise finds its feet i guess but anyway besides that i played a bunch of wow which was sort of nondescript i don't really think i did anything like all that interesting did i tell you i already got ksm oh no you didn't i didn't, I didn't realize that yeah we got ksm in week two of uh of shadowlands which i think was which was really interesting and i'm interested by it because we knew the dungeons so well you know like so much of it was just understanding the dungeons on a on a deep level 
um, and going through the dungeons, uh, you know, with 226 gear, you just, you're much better set up to, to perform, even in a new patch where everything gets super buffed, right, because the dungeons all scale up with, uh, with all of the new item levels, um, that stuff just didn't matter as much, just because we had a real mastery of the dungeon, and, uh, uh, we had really good, we had really good gear. Also, Arms Warrior is, like, got really buffed, and is, like, one of the top DPS specs right now. Um, famously, the race to world first ended with Echo stealing the title from Limit, because they, ro they ran three Arms Warriors, whereas Limit only ran two Arms Warriors, which was interesting. Okay. Grats, I guess... Do you do you do you care about the race of the world? First no, at all? not at all. No. I, yeah, I, the, the race of the world first I find absolutely fascinating because it like dominated Twitch for you know for a whole week and where just half a million people are descending on watching these WoW guilds pull the same boss over and over and over again. And it's like an esports event. It has casters. It has like all of these graphics on screen. It has like like pro players right like limit echo uh bd i think i remember bdgg is called pieces there's a bunch of different guilds they all have their you know they all have like a bunch of players or whatever it's like this whole esports scene and it triggers once every six months it's like one imagine your whole job is one week out of every six months what a world but you know i don't know this this race to world first was hype as fuck actually because um there's certain bosses that are reset bosses where you can't get the final boss of the raid down until the next reset, right? Where you can go, you can refarm mythic and heroic and get all and get gear again, and then you go and you face Sylvanas with like six more item levels and you just thrash, right? Um, this one though, it became pretty clear that Sylvanas was killable in the first reset, and Limit and Echo were both making pulls on Sunday night, or Monday night, before the reset, where it was just like, can one of them get it? Can one of them get it done? And it ended up being Echo. Echo. The Limit went to bed. Um, and uh, Limit Max, who is the raid leader, who's kind of like the coach, I guess, of the team, you know, he, he, he did like a, like an AMA stream afterwards. And one of the things he said, he was like, honestly, like, it's heartbreaking because like, we all knew that boss was killable. We could have killed Sylvanas. But the thing is, we had been raiding for six and a half hours and, you know, and we were two and a half hours over the end of the scheduled end of our raid and we were just putting in pulls and you realize the fire's gone, you know, that like, people are too tired. They don't have the energy. They're not playing defensively. They're, you know, like they're making, they're making kind of these dumb mistakes and you just sort of lose the endurance battle, and that's, like, heartbreaking. And you never see that kind of shit in, in, in esports, which I thought was, I don't know, I thought that was compelling as fuck. Yeah, I mean... But it was also about to be drams as fuck, because if Echo had failed to kill Sylvanas inside of the reset, then it would have automatically been North America's, basically, because the reset is 16 hours apart between NA and EU. Mm. Okay. So, like, NA would have gotten up, they would have... You know, they would have re-cleared. They would have just immediately killed Sylvanas before you even got a single reset. So everybody was really afraid of that because it's like a big, it's like a big thing that people are mad at Blizzard about when it comes to the race of worlds first. So that's that's interesting because it's, it sounds like even though it's like taken very seriously, it's not like it's not like it's people you know like in in you know let's say League of Legends, right? Like those people are law players and that's what they do, right? It sounds like you know it's like yep. they've done their four hours of writing. Well, it's, it sounds like that they 
they're like they're like normal people that like like you know do this, but it's not like their whole thing. Is is that accurate? Yeah, and it's also a community thing, right? This is not run by Blizzard. It, there's there's no Blizzard person who it, you know like there's it's not like I could go to twitch.tv slash Warcraft or whatever and watch Race the World first coverage, right? Like this is all built on the community, and I actually think that that's good to be honest. Um, like no no shade on Blizzard, but I think it's cool that this is a community event that is not sort of directly touched and handled the way that Hearthstone Esports, Overwatch League, LCS, CS:GO, you know, like all of these other leagues have have developers who are a very who have their fingers very deep in that pie. Um, and I think it's neat that the Race of World First is entirely different than that, right? Um, and is kind of unrelated to the to like the dev team outside of you know. Everybody in the dev team is paying attention, obviously, um, to the to the race, but they're not like directly involved. Nobody's cutting a paycheck because of the race, the world first, or whatever, um, which sometimes leads to friction, right? Like one of the things that um, made this race pretty interesting was the dev team was hot fixing bugs in the fights, right? Like they were sitting, they were watching the streams, they were realizing that there were bugs on the bosses, and they were hot fixing the bugs even as the raids were trying to take advantage of the bugs in order to progress right um and the rule and, and this is nothing new right but the rule has always been that if one team kills the boss with a bug in it right they they won't hot fix that bug until two or three weeks later right just to kind of like keep it fair which is maybe the only like official policy and, and it's, not, it's not even official that's just us reading the tea leaves of seeing what blizzard has done in the past about it right um and that happened with kelthazad because they cheesed a mechanic in Kel'Thuzad by killing a character over and over again on a mechanic um, and using shit to bring him back to life with like trinkets and shit like that. And uh, and it's, it's legitimately clever, to be honest with you. I think it was pretty... I kind of think it was an exploit, if I'm being honest, and I'm pretty sure that's going to go away. They're going to patch that out or whatever. But it pretty clearly, they killed that boss because of that exploit. and um, Or that bug. And uh, I don't know. So yeah, that's the race of the world first. It was trams. Yeah, no, I'm. That's it's interesting. So, but like the everybody should, like, there's like no chance that like, say like some guild that no one's ever heard of will like be at Sylvanas and start streaming and be like, hey, we managed to like beat out. Um, yeah, there's really no chance of that. There actually are chances of upsets. Um, so for instance, there was a the the world first heroic went to a Chinese guild kind of out of nowhere to be honest, who just they just cleared the heroic raid basically instantaneously you know um and they were really gunning it and they were really speed running it whereas complexity and echo were you know they do these things called splits where what they do is they take their their whole raid they divide them up into you know groups so you say you'll have like you'll have like two warriors a bunch of holy paladins and a bunch of plate dps and they'll go through heroic and then you'll have a, like 15 of the characters feed gear to the to five of the characters right to try and like stack up as much stuff on individual characters as as much as they can um the chinese guild didn't do this they they went in as one unit and they just blitzed heroic because they weren't interested in like setting up gear because the, the the advantage of a split is that you can get gear from multiple lockouts, yeah, right. right like i can get gear from four different lockouts if you know I know that 60 of these guys aren't raiding, only 20 of them are, and we filter all of that gear to the 20 raiders, right? Um, but, 
but yeah, I mean, the the race of world first is always the long haul of you know who can who can do mythic, and who and it's specifically who can do mythic while like incredibly undergeared, right? Um, that that is what makes it so like compelling, prestigious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like they the the Sylvanas wipes were like less than a percent in her health bar. Right as she was going into enrage, and her enrage is not all that terrible. What it does is she just like she's putting gunk on the ground, and eventually the room just fills with gunk. Right, and you just you have nowhere to stand but in the gunk, and the gunk is doing damage, and eventually that will wipe the raid. You can't heal through it. Right, um, that's essentially the enrage for Sylvanas, and um, and every every kill. Every, or every attempt, you know, that was that was like going really deep on Sylvanas was going into, like, you know, it's like it's like forty five. You know, she she like dies at forty five percent or whatever. Um, it's like forty five point four three percent or whatever. And it's like yes, point four percent away from killing Sylvanas, but we were like in the gunk and we didn't get enough in the burn phase and this and that or whatever. And I don't know. That's just neat. That's that's the race of the world first for you. Sounds sounds neat. Sounds like something that it, like the the community thing is interesting to me just because like that's also how a lot of the FGC operates, right? Like um, yeah. Well, that's become less true. Sony bought Evo, um, and Capcom runs uh, the Capcom Pro Tour, um, but you know. I actually think it, it it has a lot in common with speedrunning. I think if you were to really look at the DNA of that the makes race sense. world first, it's functionally like a GDQ. In a, in a lot of ways. That makes sense. Um, although I assume that like the not nearly as many exploits. Um, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's speedrunning its own thing. But uh, yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, the one big thing is Grime came out today. I've been talking about Grime. I have actually been up since six a.m. because that's when that's when Grime went live. Uh, we you know we interviewed the devs on stream, which was very cool. We talked to them. Uh, we I then streamed a bunch of Grime. Which was nice. I got to the second. I killed the second boss, and I'm in the third area. But I haven't progressed much farther than that. I'm probably streaming more grime on Friday um, to continue. Buddy gets good grime, and I'll probably be continuing this for the next couple of weeks because everybody fucking loves this game. It's the top of new and trending. Um, a ton of big streamers. So Sloopbag, who is a uh, is one of these like race of world first streamers. He was streaming grime today, which was really cool to see. I was like, oh fuck, like <laughs> you know. Um, there's, uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm very excited, this game is great, um, and uh, it's out, so. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, I, I have it bought and downloaded, and uh, after I maybe, like, finish the last things I have to do for the WoW reset, I'll, uh, I'll jump into it myself, because uh, it looks Very it looks cool. cool, well, cool. I wish you the best of luck, if you yeah. run into any bugs. I'm your guy. <laughs> oh yes, we've we, we we've done this before, right? Like, uh, I'll, like uh, I think yeah, that, that this happened on Spinch. Yeah, 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 I reported a bunch of your bugs on Spinch. Yeah, Spinch was you know, uh, Spinch I th- I think was a little bit of a buggier game on launch. There are two big issues with Grime that seem to be related to, uh, like like there's weird stuff with inputs where certain inputs aren't working correctly, and there's weird stuff with FPS drops. Uh, that we haven't been able to figure out, but we're looking into it now. Those are the only two like launch issues. Does, does it have controller control. support? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would recommend playing it on controller. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say because like in- inputs, you, you know me. Like if the inputs don't work, I'm furious. But uh, if I can use a controller, yeah, so the input, so the inputs generally work. It's just there's weirdness with um. So the thing that I ran into today, I'm referencing a bug I ran into in my stream today, where I couldn't. 
you know, there, there's dialogue where you can talk to, like, an NPC, and then the NPC gives you things. I couldn't select down, which was, there's an easy workaround. I just hit S on my keyboard, right, and it'll sort through the menu. But it's just stuff like that, right, like, low-level, you know, it, weird inputs not being picked up correctly. That's an artifact of it being on an Xbox One controller, we're pretty sure, and there's other weird stuff with ps5 controllers like the different controllers all having their own kind of architecture or whatever so anyway we're figuring that stuff out if anybody runs into any bugs uh feel free email me buddy at aquaparagames.com <laughs> i'm happy to help or go to the steam forums or the discord or any of these other million places that i'm keeping track of to so so can i funnel our bugs can i play this game with a fight stick that's a good question i don't know maybe do you need the, you need the right stick for <laughs> Honestly, anything it might be good for it right do you need the right stick for anything Oh, you do actually. Now that I think about it, you would need the right stick. Okay, then you can't. That's that's the that's, yeah. that's usually the big one. Um, and I would just you could play the first two levels without with uh, with a fight stick because the right stick isn't something that activates until you kill the second boss. Okay, well, I look forward to figuring out finding out what that is. Um, but uh, with that, I will say uh, if you'd like to email us in, about uh, any of the things we talked about in this episode from Young Justice Season Two to Fast Nine to Grime. Email us at gmail.com or podcast at Follow us on twitch.tv slash subversplaygames uh, where these episodes go live and Buddy can screw up the spoiler warnings. Um, but uh, what else? Uh, YouTube, podcast places, give us reviews, send us emails, whatever. Um, maybe we're, we're like fast approaching. We're like two months out from like the, I guess it's like the what episode are we on it's it'll be the sixth year and that approximately lines up to episode 300 oh we still got we still got like 20-ish episodes so you know that's like four months i guess at this point i think we've been more liberal with skipping episodes recently yeah we used to be very clockwork about week on yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas recently we've been pretty okay taking a week off and doing other stuff yeah not only that but there's also like 52 weeks in a year oh i guess that should play yeah, in our true. favor which would make 300 early but it's definitely not going to be early this year. What we've got, like yeah, like normally, uh, normally I think it comes around in October, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The like anniversary is late October, or mid to late October. Yeah. So, um, actually, we're kind of on pace to hit that, right? Like we've got like sixteen. So this is two eighty four, and so episode three hundred will be uh, sixteen episodes from now, which is four months. Four months from now, that'll be December. Oh. So we're kind of two months a little bit behind. Is it? That's not crazy. No, no. August, September, October is 12 months. So November, end of November. Oh, and then November. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm thinking, I was thinking end of August yeah. to December. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and we'll probably get, this is like, this is probably a five episode August, right? Because this is the first. So, right. We'll get the eighth, the first, the eighth, the 15th, uh, the 22nd and the 29th. So yeah, it'll be a five episode August. Yes, you know, figure it out. So, you've got three months to come up with questions, audience. Uh, send us. <laughs> and you can send us questions whenever as well, but, you know, it's not like yep. enough of you watched. <laughs> That's right. It's not like we would not answer them. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, I'm going to say uh, until next time, your listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>